This is A.R. Farina, writer of the Austin Chronicles, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is the second part of my conversation with Scott, the 20th century geek, about Moon Knight. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to part one, which was last week's episode. We essentially go through all of Moon Knight. We tackle the heavy hitters of the comic run. We talk about the Disney Plus series. And also we speak about the essay collection, which was edited by Scott Weatherly. And he also contributed one of the essays too, which is Waxing and Waning, the Moon Knight essays. So this is a great conversation if you've not really heard that much about Moon Knight, maybe if you've just seen the Disney Plus series, or if you've read loads and loads of the comics. I would recommend, you know, reading a small amount or watching the Disney Plus series or something along those lines to get a general baseline. And you can go back and listen to episode 123 of Genuine Chit Chat, which is the ultimate introduction. That's what really introduced me to Moon Knight, which is with Scott. And then after that, I did some reading of myself and watched the Disney series. So make sure you do all that. All the links are in the description of things of Scott's website, where you can find the book, as well as lots of his other appearances on the show, because Scott and I have collaborated quite a lot. We've also got an upcoming podcast which will be out in the coming weeks about Dune, so I'll keep yourselves posted on that regard. But I'm not going to waffle at the start here any further, so I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Obviously, go listen to part one if you hadn't already, and also if you want to watch the video version of this conversation, go to youtube.com slash genuine chitschat. But without further ado, here is Scott Weatherly, the 20th Century Geek, to talk Moon Knight. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. Anyway, eventually, sort of like he has to confront this, and someone says to him, "Like, you can't sort of keep doing this because you're not Captain America, Wolverine, and Spider Man. You're just a guy in a suit." Um, and so he he sort of gets this mission done, but at quite a heavy expense. And then again, sort of says, much like with Down South, he realizes, um, "I've got to go back. Like, you know, th- th- there's not much I can do here." Um, He's got to go back. So he decides to go back to New York. The other thing I would say is, again, talk about art. The greatest thing about this is Alex Maleev's art. Alex Maleev is a phenomenal artist, and some of the panels in that are absolutely beautiful. I'd have them as, as wall art. Mm. But that sort of takes us to the Ellis run. And so there's this period, I think, like, so all that stuff from the Resurrection. So I think it's called Resurrection Wars, actually. I've just realised it's called Moon Knight Resurrection Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, from 1998. And so that period through to to the Bendis run is him trying to process that I've been brought back from the dead. And I don't know why I'm here. Everything I do seems to go wrong. You know, I'm a bit of a mess. Um, And it's because he keeps having people around him. So he reached the, you know, he had people around him. He sort of hit the rock bottom. When he tries to bring himself back, he tries to sort of reconnect with Marlene and, and, um, Frenchie and other people keeps going wrong. Um, he does it in the Bendis run as well. Like he introduces people, tries to build a group around him again, and it goes wrong. So he's, he realizes the only way for him to deal with this is to be just like, I'm on my own. It's just me. So he sort of, um, he kind of bins off a lot of his fortune into sort of technology and stuff, almost drops everything else. Like there is no Jake, there is no. Um, Stephen, there is no man. No, I was going to say in that run because I read that run. There's, it's very, 
It's just it's the six issues, isn't it? It's just the yeah, six. Yeah. And they're all individual stories that very much, and there's an essay about it as well, which very much harken back. Well, I think it's your, it's your mine, essay, is it? Mine, your essay. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, num- uh, number uh, ni- ninth one, isn't it? The penultimate mm. essay in the um, in the book. Um, and I was like, I, could, I was reading this, I was like, I could tell Scott very much enjoys this run. <laughs> and it made me like the run more, and it made me point out certain things. I was like, when I read that, I was like, I think the art style is... I've written visually amazing mm. and I've read each episode has its own kind of personality. I think the panel work mixed with the artwork in this Ellis run is some of the best paneling I've ever seen in comics because yeah, um, like I think you, you mentioned it in your essay actually, but it's like the it's sniper. I think when it's got each, there's a group of people and it's like eight people and one person gets killed and every page turn, like a, a panel <laughs> where they were disappears. disappears. Yeah. And then you've got, that's just amazing. And the, the box which is about death and it's all about like, psychedelic it's like psychedelics mixed with astral projection mixed with like dream science yeah. mixed with dmt and you're like what is this and the visuals you're like this looks like an in- like in- incredible like yeah. if you if you put up printed up any of those if you took moon Knight out of those images and you printed them put them on a giant wall in some sort of amsterdam coffee house or like woodstock or something like mm. you would get thousands of people wanting to buy it and put it in their house being like like the 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 mycelium networks of of yeah. the world you're like this this is it and i'm like every thing has got its own personality and one of the bits i loved which again all the notes i made I've, i made the notes first then i read the essay book and i was like all the notes i've made here scott unsurprisingly has made <laughs> in much more cohesive way but one of them i said is um it's it's kind of claimed that his personalities reflect the four aspects of Konshu. And mm. I was like, that's a really interesting way of going about it. And I think that this Ellis run, although not dissimilar, I think, to the Houston run, is this run, it works so amazing if you've read prior Moon Knight. But I think of all the Moon Knight comics, this one, m- maybe the Lemire one, because it's so different, but this or the two, Lemire or Ellis runs, one of those two, I think, would work quite well to start with. I think the mere maybe because the multiple personalities might be too much if you don't really know what's going on. But like yeah. th- because of the simplicity of this run, where you know his his family, his kind of found family that was primarily in the eighties, is loosely mentioned. I think in issue two, he actually does kind of try to reach out to some of them, but like they're never really a major part, unless nope. you know is the. That's yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I was trying to think of something else. I was thinking of Marlene, but she, that's in the Houston run. But I just think it's. It took me aback a bit when I read the run because there's only six and where all the other runs are quite long and they're quite in depth. I was like, this is like really, really simplistic in the storytelling. I think that the stories that are being told are probably the weakest because there's not necessarily an overarching story. But the subtext and the stuff I loved about the 80s run is probably the best it's ever been, where well, it's that's, just uh, yeah. so much of it. And you're the expert agree. on this. Well, as we say, that's one of the reasons I like this is because the thing is, this is a bit like taking Doug Monch's work and taking out all the cabbie killers and just focusing on hit it. This, this is what this is to me. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's just so much good stuff in this. So you say about the personalities, like you don't meet them, you do see them. Hmm. And what I love is, like, this is about Mark. This is Mark being Mister Knight or Moon Knight, like that. That's it. And in the first issue, the end of the first issue, after he's faced off with. Um, I mean, I compared it to Slasher, of, mm. which is issue two of of the um, original run. You, you know, you've got he's had he's gone against this sort of ex Shield agent who's been sort of building his body up using sort of like gym people that begin with the gym and you know body horror um, proper. It's proper body horror, but I love the fact that you know he's, as I sort of say he's covered in like red, white, and blue. 
you know, he's drenched, it's not blood, but he's drenched in the colours of the American flag, and this is what it's been made of. And then you've got Mark, and there's Miss Knight, who's just this stark white um, thing. But it's brutal. Like, the, yeah. you know, the, one of the main things, that the differences between, as we've said, like, throughout the, the, the Cape Crusader era and that trauma era was Mark looking for a family. Like, he had a found family, and now he's looking to, he was looking to replace it for a while, and now he's not. And the whole thing with that slasher uh, issue is he tries to help Crowley's son. You know, he's like, oh, he's trying to help Crowley. In this one, he just kills the guy. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, you're a liability. There's nothing we can do. You've got to be taken down. So he just kills him. Um, but when he gets sort of home, he goes back to sort of Grant Mansion. He's in Start White and he's confronted by Conchute. This is the first time we get the uh, the bird skull headed Conchute. Yeah, it's an I amazing, it. amazing design. But also you see Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley stood and they're just grey. They're there. It's the chair, isn't it? It's the chair by the fire, and I I love that. Yeah, they're there, but they are. He's focused. He's he's almost trying to ignore them, and he he knows he can't do anything. And it's the same thing. The whole run has got social commentary running throughout it. Like you know, Sniper is about a contract, a military contractor left out, left for dead. Um, The uh, the the one with the ghosts um, box. That was the that I would say the the one with the box. The one with the ghosts was probably my least favourite one. I, when I read mm. your um, interpretations of it and the subtext, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense and a lot of the dual meanings and the connection to the whole Lenny storyline that we spoke about in the, the 80s run. I was like, actually, now that you've said that, because I did wonder what's the music box got to do with it. And then when you mentioned made that connection, I was like, oh. And I think mm. it would have maybe been better if it was Lenny's music actually, box Lenny, or something. I, agree, I think I that would have yeah. worked a lot better and I would have been like, oh, shit, that. But that my issue with that one was, it felt like a weird non-start because it was like, oh, he's there's ghosts. Oh, oh, so this is gonna be supernatural. And I know everybody had like body horror, weird, sciencey stuff. Okay. Oh, there's ghosts in this one. Oh, oh, and Conchu's back a lot more, and he uses like the artifacts of Conchu. Oh, this is this is him kind of reconnecting with Conchu a little bit because at the start he was a bit distant, and then he beats the ghosts. That's the end of it. The next issue, and you're like, okay, and then it's never prop again. And no. you're like, so the artifacts you've just put them back in the box that you had. You're not wearing the garb anymore, so if you come across ghosts, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you again, and so you're going to have to go get the artifacts. I was like, yeah. I thought this was like the next gen costume change or something, yeah. and then it was just <laughs> well, no, the, just a one. The fact is, well, it is, but it is and it isn't. I mean, mm. one of the things about this issue is, or oh, this run, is every issue is something else. Yeah, and they all lead up to issue six. So the first five all lead up to issue six, really. You know, in a way, they're a very loose sort of storytelling. Mm. Um. But it's the fact of how adaptable this is. The, the point of this is Moon Knight or Mark is now on his own, yeah, and it makes him much more adaptable. That's the point. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, you know, the the um, sleep issue is a phenomenally looking issue. Mm. You know, it, it has him sort of going into this sort of um, yeah, you said this sort of like you know DMT sleep dream world. I'm like, you know, the research I was doing for that, I'm reading about DMT trips and all this other stuff, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm reading very about, like, intrigued by that. Uh, like the, the the idea of ego death and like people who yeah. seem atheists feel like they talk with God, and other people believe it's like experiences of other dimensions, and because it's made in like your your own brain and the pineal gland and all that stuff, and I'm like. It's very interesting in concept, quite scary. But I was like, the I've been it through is. rabbit holes and watched documentaries on that kind yeah. of stuff. It's nuts. Yeah, and it is, but it's a phenomenally cool issue. And then it's followed up by um, Scarlet, mm-hmm. which is basically the raid. I I loved. That. I thought I was like, this issue adds almost nothing to the plot, yeah. but just shows that Moon Knight could just kick the shit out of everyone. And I was like, this feels like the raid. 
Yeah, exactly. just like, um, in all the best ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it has it has two of my favourite panels in this. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know it's one of the favourite ones. It's just him, like the guy. There's a guy like a like prince basically comes out with a couple of gold knives. And Mark Spector's response is nice. <laughs> yeah. He's like full respect. Um, <laughs> but then when he gets to the end, the young girl who's been kidnapped, she's sort of like, I, you know, she gets it. She's like, Oh no, no, don't take your mask off. You don't need to come for me. Your mask is your face. Like I get I it. I love that like, bit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like smart kid. Like, you know it. Um, so, and then, you know, you, you get to the end and you see there's this character, this guy called Ryan mm-hmm. who, much like Carson Knowles came back from war and was rejected and you had that montage, you get the, the the sort of montage of his life of being told like, you know, why have you done this? Why have you done this? Why have you done this? You know, you haven't, you've never always let us down. You've never achieved. And he sees Moon Knight running around and so he becomes the new Black Spectre. Um, and he tries to take him on. He wants to take, take Mark's place. But it, it ends in possibly one of like the, the last, because uh, obviously there were two more, writers there were two sort of like you know it went to 17 issues the actual whole overall run um but this this ends with um they confront and, and mark sort of stood there as mr knight and he sort of you know he says he, um he talks about carson knowles just wanting to be loved that's what he wanted to be like he'd been rejected and he just wanted the city to love him and that was why you failed but that's why he failed and he says let me tell you about me people who love me suffer and die i never want to be loved that's why i win and this is so this is like the statement. That's the end of the trauma era. He's like, I'm done with all that. I get who I. I'm damaged. I'm dangerous. I need to be alone, and I can do my things on my own. And you get that sort of, you know. And again, that's the sort of the the, the end point of that trauma era, and then it runs up to today. And you sort of get that, you know, you're able to have like Lemire then address all this, where he's like, Yeah, you're right. You have turned inwards, and you've turned into. A, but let's let's it let's you know let's really now give you a sort of some therapy and you're going to address this and we're going to pull all this to, to bed. Well, I do want to get into the the Lemire run, but I do want to ask as well. Um, well, with the con- with the run that Ellis started that didn't continue, so I only read the the six issues of Ellis. I didn't mm. read the other two because again, trying to do a, a, an abridged overall read. Are they are they good? Are they worth it? Like, why did Ellis? I'm surprised that he signed on for only. A li- um, basically a limited series that then continued. It seemed a bit... I was surprised by that. Well, it was part of the Marvel Now thing, and I think Marvel were looking to... They obviously... They wanted more. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the Ellis run is the best Is the best bit. I mean, he only did six issues of uh, Secret Avengers. Hmm. Okay. So he, he was sort of going through this phase, I think, of, of, you know, doing that kind of thing and other things, which we don't talk about because, you know, he's not a good person. Yeah. Um. But the other ones, the follow-ups are quite good. I mean, what you one thing is the the second volume introduced me to Greg Smallwood, who does the Lemire run, who is again a phenomenally good artist. Um, they're okay. The the second one, the second batch, let's say, volume two, it's called Dead Will Rise, is about um a young woman who's a doctor, sort of looking to use um the power of Konshu to take revenge. And so she ends up sort of like manipulating Mark into a position where she can take on the powers of Konshu and it's fine. Like it works and it looks great, but it's, it is, it is what it is. Um, the third issue, but Colin Bunn's run is a bit like, is very sort of is, is back to like the cabbie killer. 
I was going to say, is it silly? Because I know Cullen Bunn from his uh, Deadpool stuff. You know, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, that kind of jazz. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read, I read all those because I got, I got a ball for me, and it's pretty cool. But it's cool if you're in the mood for Deadpool, which is silly, over the top gore with a smart cracking thing and things going really meta and strange. They're cool for that. But it's not like you read, you know, Deadpool uh, kills the Marvel Universe, and you go, that run changed me. That run changed my perspective on so you go, no, it was junk food comics. So yeah. I don't know my, when I see Colin Bud, I'm go, that sounds like the run would probably be a a fun, you know, Spider-Man Deadpool esque wonder, but I don't I I don't necessarily want skin no. deep goofiness the in my is, comics in yeah, that so, so the thing is volume two, written by Brian Wood, is a or is is a six issue story. Okay. Right? And it works as such, and it's kind of good. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it doesn't impact on the wider continuity. It's just a story that exists within Moon Knight's life, right? But it works because of what Ellis done. So the reason it's the reason that story, the reason the Wood story is able to take place is because of the position Ellis put him in. This idea of being a loner and that sort of thing. What Colin Bunn did, he read the Ellis run and went, "I can do that," and everyone reads it and says. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I'm afraid you can't. Um, and so it doesn't work. It's not. It's, it doesn't. It's not terrible by any stretch. But it's like when you're putting in comparison, and when you know, if you're going to go, oh, I'm going to do six standalone issues as well, and then you go, but you're following up the Warren Ellis run, which has been, you know, almost era defining. You got to bring your A game, and unfortunately, it doesn't. It doesn't kind of work. There's a couple of issues that are kind of fun, but um, they feel like you know when you used to watch. You know when you watch Doctor Who. Yeah. And you'll go like, that's a phenomenal issue. You know, it's the same thing. You go, oh man, there's some amazing episodes. And then the next one you go, oh, it's trying to be that episode, but you know, it's not, it's kind of not working. It's not got and, the build up. It's not got the, the message. You've just gone, what's cool about that thing? We'll take those bits out of it and put it in this. It's like, that's not what was good about it. Yeah, exactly. It. It's like, you know, like, is it, Blink, the first time yeah. you introduced. Oh, so like, love it. You, yeah, you watch Blink and you go, oh man, that's a phenomenal episode. That's an incredibly good episode. And then they go, oh, yeah, now I'm going to use the, the, what's it, angels, you know, weeping angels in another way. And you go, because they're really cool and we can do something similar. And you watch it and you go, oh. Yeah. That, that, you, you I know. will say Doctor Who, there's a quite funny, uh, there's a degree of comparison with Moon Knight in a lot of ways because Doctor Who has some of the best moments, I think, in TV history. And I'm, I've not watched a lot of the older Doctor Who. I've seen quite a few, mm. John Pertwee and Tom Baker, et cetera. But like um, with Doctor Who, I watched, all of Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, I, and I, I haven't seen since that. I've not watched Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, Jodie Whittaker, um, and or any of the new stuff. Even the new, the the David Tennant recent stuff, which I've heard is good. But with mm. with me, and Megan keep wanting to go back and watch, you know, from Christopher Eccleston to all the way up to date because we so much love David Tennant and we've heard good things about some of the other Doctors. But it's one of those things where I, I watched it religiously when it came out because it came out just as the prequel trilogy ended. So I was like, I'm done with Styles, Doctor Who's my new obsession for like <laughs> several years. And I loved it. And when I think of some of the David Tennant and Eccleston episodes, I'm like, some of this is just so well written and so yeah, well yeah. thought out and so well put to screen. You're like, some of the stories in this, phenomenal. And then next episode is just like Awful. a giant farting marshmallow thing. And you're like, yeah. where? And it's because they've got no budget left. They had like these, it feels like every Doctor Who season, they've got right, 13 episodes for some reason, every time. And then let's do it where we've got far, uh, like six incredibly thought out two-parters two really good one-off really interesting sci-fi ideas almost like red dwarf where it's like mm. let's just do something really weird and different and cool and then you've got three ish episodes left and you're like i don't really know what to do with this let's let do a kids competition let the absorbable off in and be the worst episode oh, ever. let's yeah. do all the and you're like 
where's the budget gone? Where's the thinking gone? It feels like they did it all and they had one afternoon to write three episodes. And I found, I, I wonder if with Moon Knight, it's not quite the same thing, but there just seems to be, for so much of the amazing, great Moon Knight moments, you've then just got this other stuff that misses the mark. And it kind of adds to the legacy of Moon Knight in some ways, but it also kind of, Unless you're like me or like you, which is I, I and I think like uh, Jack of Ims, Jack's musings, where I like completing stuff. Mm. I like starting things. I like collecting Star Wars books and comics. High Republic is my obsession with Star Wars. I want to read everything High Republic because mm. it's my little fixation. And Moon Knight, I can really see where there's bits of it. I'm like, I just want to, because there's enough. You try and mm. read all of Spider-Man, you have to commit your entire life now with over a thousand issues of yeah, the, yeah, just yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man run, not even including anything else he's ever done. There's <laughs> over a thousand mm. i think it's over a thousand two hundred now it's like nuts and so you're like if, if you want to read all spider-man goodbye anything else you want to do but yeah. moon knight is enough where you can commit and in a few years you can really get it but there's so much variation and i think the lemire run i really want your opinion on because i know that's tony's favorite run and i know yeah. that and i i thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it however although i think i enjoyed it the most out of all the runs that i read I think it's tainted because of the Disney Plus series is so, so, so close to it because it's literally, it's the adaptation. Kind of. In in, uh, in a lot of the themes in it. Yeah, the themes in it and the introduction. I think you're right. And I think, to me, the Lemire run is, I mean, again, Jeff Lemire is one of those writers that, and I've read, you know, I've read bits and pieces of Lemire over over the years that I, I find starts well and you know anything beyond issue 20 of anything he does starts to sort of fall apart a little bit or i lose interest so this was a really good so 16 issues and it works really well but one of the things is it came it's one of those if, if you ignore the sort of the wood and the bun stuff right you have the ellis run and then you get the the lemire run and then you get uh, like you know the bemis run but if you even ignore the bemis run potentially and you go straight to the McKay run, uh, the Jed McKay run. They act as like a three acts, really, where you have like you know that six issue run is is Mark just standing alone and going, I know what I am, and I'm dealing with shit. Like this is me, you know, I'm going to just be. This is who I am. And then Lemire says, Well, let's let's face into all that trauma. Let's face into it all. Like you're doing your, you know, you are now stood alone, but you've got like decades of people dying of, you know, um, identity disorder and, 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 you know, resurrections and, you know, just your inability to deal with whatever trauma it is you've had. Let's face into that. Absolutely just face into that. Did you die? That's the big question. Like, did you die? Do you have, um, some sort of dis- disassociative identity disorder. You know, is the start of your trauma um, the resurrection? Is that your trauma? And the answer is, let's start talking about it. No, it's not. And that's what Lemire does. He sort of takes you back to the beginning and all of a sudden you're like, this wasn't a guy that was just a mercenary that, you know, was resurrected. He was chosen. Like, you know, we're going to tell you now that all, you know, everything you know is wrong kind Mm. of thing. We're actually going to go back to the beginning and tell you that as he entered puberty, he suffered a trauma. Something happened. And like, even the Lemire run doesn't tell you what it is. Something happened 
and his dad knows about it, and his dad may have even be suffering from some sort of illness or trauma himself, and then not facing up to it. This family does not face up to it. His dad's a rabbi, and is all about facing supporting others, but not his family, right? And that's the sort of the tragedy of, of the Spectre family. And so you realise that Mark's running away from his religious roots, going off and joining the army, becoming a boxer, then becoming a mercenary and a CIA operative. It's all about him trying to just not face up to the shit, whatever the hell happened to him as a kid and how his childhood panned out. And so you have this book where you're going like, oh my God, like I'm reading like a superhero comic, which has got me traveling through the 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 outer world or the, the other world as they have it. It's got, you know, Egyptian deities riding the backs of scarab beetles and shit. Like this is crazy. Like it's, New York's full of sand. But what we're actually dealing with is the fact that this guy's been dealing with trauma and just been piling on it for years. And that's what we're having to deal with. Um, and so it makes me emotional. That book gets me really emotional because mm. like, this is a character I love, but also you just sort of like the way it's written is really well. Cause then you sort of see that him joining the army and he, you know, he fucks up. Like, you know, yeah. he, he speaks to um, Stephen Grant is the first personality that came along, you know? So Stephen's the first one, which is obviously, as you say, is mirrored in, in the TV show. Um, and it goes through in the army and all sort of stuff. And eventually sort of it culminates in them for the first time ever you meet, they speak. And so you, there's a wonderful part in the book. I'm going to have to get, I'm going to grab it in a set. There's a wonderful part in the book. Cause the story is broken into sort of, the first one is like told as a, a mystery, right? He wakes up in an asylum. And again, Greg Smallwood does a phenomenal job in this. This book actually contains some of my favourite artists of all time. And so I was so happy when this book starts coming out. I'm just like, this is amazing. And I assume you're going to talk about the three-pronged artist issue. Exactly well, Four-pronged. That, four that four issue, pronged. I know Tony mentions it in his um, yeah. in his essay. So his essay is all about this Lemire run. And I, I will say, the, the artwork when I was reading this and the imagery yeah. is so good. Both, like, again, I know we keep I keep saying subtext in this conversation, but it's like... This, I think, has such a balance. I think the Ellis run did as well, which I think the OG run was too subtle in certain ways with art mm. and a lot of other things. And then I think the Houston run was n- not no subtlety. It was gore and over-the-topness. It was almost like... Um, um, like a grindhouse movie of just yeah. oh, every any emotion is felt a hundred and fifty to two hundred percent in in the whole run. Every single thing is the most extreme version of itself, which is fine in the confines of the story, but it can be a bit much. And I find that the the kind of eras that I've I was thinking of Numi not in, I think because of reading you know the introduction that you did in the essay book, and mm. kind of in my mind it's split into those eras as well. I think that the kind of the rebirth era, the post resurrection wars era, this whole Lemire, um, Ellis, um, sort of onwards run, the, the runs rather. I just think that they are so they, the ones I've read at least, are really getting to grips with what the core of what makes Moon Knight Moon Knight, but different perspectives of how it works and the visual yeah. elements of it. And this ele- issue that I'm going to let you speak about now is just incredible, like a masterclass in comics. This is like oh, it is one of those things of like what the potential you can do with a comic. This, this is, is another. I, I, I'm so glad you've said that because that's that's my position on this. I think really this is this isn't just a good Moon Knight book. This is a fantastic comic. It's like you said, this it shows you what the medium can do. Like it sets you off confused. You know, it, it addresses everything 
like from the original run all the way through. You know, is he mad? Is he is you know he, he doesn't confront people like he's he's impotent and he, he sort of you know gets kicked about until he gets on his Moon Knight costume, which is a a towel wrapped around his head and and a sheet. It looks ace. Um, but you thought, oh, he's crazy! Like he's in this thing, and then you realize, you know, you get this story of him being, you know, in the in the um, other world or the outer world, what it's called now. And there's this sort of journey of, of sort of like, you know, with the people that he's lost. Gina's there, Crowley's there, her family, and it's all about this this thing of Egypt taking over. It's all in his. I mean, all this is in his head. Like you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually happen. And he he sort of he gets to have closure with all these people that he's lost or has has um wronged in the past. I mean, you know, it's it's therapy for him. He's going through and he, you know, Jeannie gets to go home to her diner. Marlene sort of gets to, you know, um to to leave him in the best possible way. And Crawley's kind of the anchor, oddly enough, in that part, because the story is an odd one because it's 14 issues and it is one continuous story, but it's it's kind of in it's acts in a way. But it's with Crawley, I find he's not in every issue, but when no. I think Crawley has such a large impact in this, mm. and I think that this run and the original um, run, especially, I think they have Crawley is such an interesting character. And I'm like, I don't want a Crawley comic because I think I would lose the point. But I love how he's this homeless man. We know very little about him. He's always got flies around him. He, he carries around yeah. the one tea bag that cracks yeah. me up. I love that. And he just always asks for hot water wherever he goes because he wants to dip his one tea bag. Uh, yeah. Like, and he speaks so eloquently and he knows these words. And a lot of the time, Gene is like, Can you just speak English, please? What the hell are you saying? And even when you're yeah. reading it, you're like, I don't know what the hell he's saying. And then Jake Lockley would go, Crawley, what are you saying? And you're like, oh, thank God. Because I'm like, if that's the main plot point, I don't know what the hell he's going on I've about. Missed, I've missed the point. And yeah. in this, he's like an anchor point. To, he's like, he is. He's the, he's, the, he's the person telling Mark what the truth is, which is yeah. quite interesting. I really liked that. But he always has been. Mm, that's exactly. the point. He always has been. And that's the, you get, he gets to realise that. And then it's sort of like, you know, and he, one of the things is he, uh, of all the people, Jeannie gets back to her diner, you know, gets to go back to her diner and stuff like that. Crowley doesn't. Crowley just has to go off into the ether with these Egyptian things. Like he almost gets sacrificed to go off with them. But he's always done that. Like he can't. He has no home. He has no anchor point. He is an anchor for for Jake, but he's not got his own. He's a nomad. And he's also nomad. in the in the Houston run, he he's the catalyst of the first issue that brings. Mark Spector out, whether or not it, mm. it's, it's heavily indicated that that might have been Conchu or something in his own mind and Crowley didn't show up, or maybe he did, and it's that whole weird... I, like to, th- I like to think he did. I like I li- to think, I like to always think he always looked after him. Yeah, yeah. but like, he, whether or not it was actually Crowley there, it's just that how important he is to Mark, whether or not Mark ever admits it, that in two completely separate runs, mm. Crowley is so essential to the, 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 save, the saving of Mark's mind which is quite interesting from a character who, from looking at Crawley, knowing he's a homeless man and carries on one teabag and all this stuff, you'd think he's the most unhinged person. But when he speaks so eloquently, and he always tells Mark the truth, and he's always this through line whenever he's used of being almost like... It's almost like he's the real deity. I'm only just yeah. thinking that. It's almost like he's the... That's the one thing I would have said now thinking about it that I think was missing from the essay book. If I was writing an essay, which to, that ship has sailed now, but I would write one on Crawley being, what if Crawley is actually the deity protecting Mark? And Conchu yes. is the way that Crawley is like using... Trying to corrupt him. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's like Conchu and Crawley are actually fighting over, but Crawley's almost like a beyond, like a, a real, not just a god in the Marvel Universe, like Thor, like actually a deity above and beyond that kind of confines i would love that idea and i just it's think, a nice idea it cool. works um 
you're right. I mean, he, he is such a great character, and like you know. But you, one of the things you get with this issue, I think you know, because we want to get to the issue we want to talk about is it. Mm. it this is that one sort of things go wrong. You know, he's he's, he's dressed as Mister Knight, and then he's confronted by uh, his own version of himself, like his original version, the 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 you know the Munch Sinkovich version. And there's a fight, and that's when it's sort of like he's starting to having to confront things. So all of a sudden, like he's he's confronted all the people and dealt with that. Now he's having to confront himself. That's been stripped away. All that's left is himself. And all of a sudden, he keeps keeps trying to avoid it. And so you get the the issues stumble forward with him going through his different personalities. And you see that, like you know, um, Mark gets shot, shot off into space. Like he becomes this, like you know, space adventurer kind of thing, fighting nuts. off werewolves. <laughs> yeah. which is awesome on the moon. Um, you have Jake Lockley being drawn and painted by Francisco Francovia, whose art is sublime. He's done quite a few Star Warsy things, actually. Oh, a I lot of the t- Tales from Vader's Castle, like yeah. the horror anthology stories, uh, stuff. Very, very cool. Very well done. He's a, he's such a good artist. Like his noir style is so fun. It's so so good. But then you find that, like, Jake Lockley, sorry, no, Steve Grant, um, is making a film, much like he was in the Bendis run. And that's his happiest. He's a producer. He's he's with Marlene. All's good. And that's his escape. But it all starts coming together. It all starts falling apart. And we've, we're flicking between each of these personalities until they start to collide and they start to bleed into each other. Eventually, they all have to run through a door and they are confronted by, at the end of issue eight, uh, our mark mm-hmm. dressed as Mr. Knight, but without his, without his, um, his mask on. And it's, so they all run through and it's a one, something again, that they all run through. Um, and he just says, Hey fellas, thanks for coming. We need to talk. Yep. And he's like, we've now got to talk like, this is it. And they have to start. And he starts, th- this is again, the first moment is, but I remember reading this issue, right? It's issue nine. It'll get a great cover. The cover is sort of again small wood. Um, it's a sort of mark looking up like this sand dune, and the sand dune makes up the faces of the different personalities. Um, and it's just great. He says, "I'm sorry, but none of you are real. I wasn't sure uh, either, not for a while, but now I know I am." So he's centering himself, um, and they all, and he just starts to sort of like talk to them. And then the first one to go is the newer one. He's like, I haven't got a clue what you are. Like, I don't know yeah, the, the space, space one. crazy one, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I don't even know what you are. Like, you've come from nowhere. Um, and so he goes, and then he starts to confront them, and he sort of, he has to fight them off, which is Jake as, as the violent version of Moon Knight, or the original version of Moon Knight. He's like, I'm sorry, you know. And then he, Stephen is is just them talking, and they hug. And it's just like, you know, he accepts it and he's like, yeah, we have to hit like Matt Stevens. Like we have to heal. This is the only way I accept this. And this is that thing I said about Stephen Grant is a, is a hero. Cause it's the self-sacrifice again. He's like, I know I can't exist in this world if we need to be healthy. And it, but what's interesting is, and this is again, one of the things, if you especially read Lena's, um, her essay in particular takes it from a personal standpoint of, um, how you are treated as a patient and how you sort of have to acknowledge these different identities or these different alters and how you deal with them. But once he's sort of addressed them and, you know, they've sort of combined, he's able to face his original trauma because the next story is literally him facing into his original trauma. Like we go back to his childhood. We see that the original, um, the original appearance of Stephen, 
the fact that he's actually the first time he's introduced to Konshu as a child mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, and it builds up and you keep, you know, you see more and more and it's him then going back into the, um, the over, over void. That's what it's called. So I've just put the over void and starts to confront these, you know, all this Egyptian mythology and all this other stuff. But it, what it is, is as he's going through, it's still running through his life, him, him as a boxer, him as a soldier. Um, and then finally, like you say, it comes to, he's, he's able to go through all this, everything he goes through, this reconciliation, and it comes to the final reconciliation, and this is the bit where it's really important, is I killed people for Bushman. Like, you know, all this stuff I've talked about, all this trauma that's been piled on, it all culminated in me being a bit of a knob. Like, I was, a, I was not a good person. And I sort of, you know, lied and I did this stuff. And eventually, so I say, the final issue is he, you know, it has some super heroics, has him fighting people and sort of stuff. And it comes down to like the werewolf comes back and Konshu comes back and, and sorry, Bushman comes back. But the final moment is, and it's a great panel, it's used in the essay book by, I think, um, Lena. It's where he accepts it. Konshu stood there and gone, like, you know, you need me. Like, I may, it's a bit like, you know, like um, Batman and Joker in the, in the 89 Batman. Like, yep you know, I made you. And he goes, well, you made me first kind of yeah. thing, you know? And it's like, you know, tit for tat. This is that moment of Conchu saying, well, I kind of made you. And he's going like, yeah, it's your fault. But do you know what? I don't need you. And I love this bit. You've got like, I am Mark Spector. I am Stephen Grant. I am Jake Lockley. And we are going to be okay. We're going to live with who we are. We are Moon Knight and we never needed you. And that's the end. And it's do they, like, do they crush the skull of? They of crush Konshu the skull well. of like yeah. Konshu, and it rains, and you realise that all of this has been happening on his head, in in his head, um, on the roof. So he's been somewhere, and he's just had like a, he's had like a psychotic break, and he's gone through therapy or something, and he's had to he's, he's just addressed everything, and it's a phenomenally well written comic. I think the transitions of of uh, style of art style, but also the rawness of having to fail. No other car, no other comic character has ever done this, or very few. Like Batman's never gone to therapy and really faced into his trauma of decades of I lost my parents, I lost Jason Todd, I lost. So 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 the closest you get is kind of like you get the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns. You get you often get with superheroes. You get the present day dealing with stuff, and then you get not dealing with trauma just after. You get it so far in the future, like things like Logan or the lot of the Old Man series. Is like yeah, there was severe trauma here, but we're not going to really delve that. We're going to just show you the person completely and utterly broken at the end, and them just trying to vaguely survive, not deal with the trauma, just limp through it. And you're like. Well, the thing is, you get in the middle. Mo- yeah, the thing is, like, you get the old man books, right? And I'll say we'll start to because we're very we're up to the new now. There's one thing, one area I want to cover quickly, and then we'll finish up on that. Mm. But the old man books, there are three old man books that I think are really good. There's become like an old man trilogy for me. There's the Dark Knight Returns, Old Man Logan, oh, and Last Ronin, and uh, Last Ronin, which mm. is uh, a, a recent Ninja Turtles book, which if you haven't read, I highly recommend. And I'm not going to spoil it because there's, there's a bit of a twist in it, but there's like one Ninja Turtle left in the future. And like, you know, which one is it? How the, where have all the others gone? Where's Master Splinter? Where's Shredder? Like, all that sort of stuff. And it's very much the same. And as you say, it becomes like, like older, 
grizzled, hard-bitten versions of the characters having to face up to the past, but they don't reconcile themselves. They don't, you know, it's not therapy. They often end up either dying or getting close to death, or you know, it's still a story of loss. Like I don't care what you say. Like you know, uh, Batman Returns, uh, Dark Knight Returns is still a story of loss in many mm. cases. Like as they all are. The uh, Mayor's Moonlight Run is the opposite. It's a character stopping and actually facing into all that trauma and all that sort of thing and saying, I am who I am and I've got to deal with that. And it's going to be, it's an addict. This is an addict saying like, you know, I've reached, I've, I've literally reached the bottom of, you know, I'm alone and I'm, you know, I was the crazed version, the Houston version and I've done all this and I became the lone version. And actually in doing that, I was able to reconcile. And so what happens with that is you do get the Bendis, uh, the Max Bird, sorry, the Bemis run, which is good fun. And there's got one called Crazy Runs in the Family, which is kind of fun. It's not, you know, era defining, but some really good stuff in there. But one of the things it does do in the second part of his run, he introduces a character and you find out what that first trauma was. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because it's really, it's, really, it's quite a good reveal. But um, you find out what that first trauma was and how it relates to what his dad, why his dad was impacted by it as well. Um, and it's very, it's actually, I like it. I think it's a bit controversial maybe, but I, I like it the way it's handled. But but it runs through. And it's, again, this acceptance of like, you know, accept you're crazy is part of the sort of the, you know, the story of it. But the most recent one, the McKay run, hmm. is, is that rebuild. He's like, I've gone through this stuff. I've now, I'm, I can now go through, and I can be that thing. So he's got the midnight mission, and he's sort of building a family around himself again. Um, you know, and it has its ups and downs. And there is this, you know, obviously there'll be no story if they just sort of like were like, yeah, it's happy families. Yeah, one issue done. It's a one. Yeah, Moon Knight's yeah. okay. We'd never have to talk about him again. <laughs> no, but one of the great things that's happened in this other thing is, is it sort of again in that recon- in, in his ability to reconcile with himself he is able to sort of reconcile with parts of his his own history. So, you know, we're not going to get Marlene. We're not going to get um, Frenchie or Crowley. They've gone. Like, that era is gone, right? Post, um, really, sort of like post Lemire, they become irrelevant. That was kind of the full stop. It was like they did the up stop, and down, yeah. and they're like, this is the end of that era. Yeah, they do sort of appear in the Bemis run a little bit, but like... And that you know, there's a there's a there's a point in that where he actually has a like Mark now has a daughter, but uh, okay, yeah, it's it, it, it hasn't really impacted anything. It's sort of a side piece, um, but it's gone. That's moved on. Like that era is gone, and now we move move on. But he's he's now he become you know he's able to sort of like revisit his relationship with Tigress, which goes back to West Coast Avengers. Um, wow. Yeah, he ends up bringing in sort of like these young sort of like um, kids that are not kids, but they're sort of like young youth people, twenties. I know that are, that are in there. Sort of, they're lost. They're, one of them is well, two of them become vampires. So you know, he's like, well, you you know, I don't want you to become a bad vampire. So I'm going to get Blade to train you, so you can address it. Like you know, he's going to use his his hero connections to to help and stuff. Uh, the Midnight Mission itself is a supernatural sort of entity like it's a haunted building it's a sentient building that is wants to help as well but like in a dark kind of way it's cool um, and there's these other bits like that that sort of built but more importantly because of everything that's happened and he's died so many times um there's another moon knight or there's another avatar of conchu 
called Hunter's Moon. And so there's this sort of now he sort of he's never had anyone that can really understand that what this is to be the avatar of Moon Knight, which is one of the things that's never really been addressed. And all of a sudden he's got this person that's in the same position. It's very different to him, but they have this like older, younger, brotherly kind of respect. And all of a sudden, like, you know, Mark's able to build up a family around him that he knows he can trust. But more than that, where he had that found family before that were people that were human, you know, Gina and her boys, Crowley, Marlene, they weren't designed for this crap. Now he's got a couple of vampires. He's got another sort of like, you know, avatar of Moon of, of Konshu. He's got Tigress. They build up and he's like, oh, hang on. I've got a much more robust team and that around me. And he's still seeing a therapist and he's dealing with this stuff. And it's sort of like, it's an incredibly sort of, it goes places and, you know, there's stuff going on. It's a fantastic one. It's, again, it's, it's, it's up there again as that it's sort of, it bookends this stuff and I'm not going to spoil anything for those who haven't read it yet. But um, it's sort of, it, you can see there's that running theme that goes all the way back to, as you said, like you can't do, but like, you know, um, Grant Morrison did that thing with, with Batman in his run where he sort of said, well, what if it's all real? Like, you know, what if it all happened in a compressed period of time? Like how messed up would you be? And sort of had fun with it, you know, and you end up with sort of the, the Batman of Zoranar and, and, you know, some crazy stuff, and it goes off the rails towards the end. Well, McKay and others have sort of done the same, but they've not, they've not included everything, but they've gone, well, we, we need to include a lot of stuff on the 80s run. We know this happened in the, the moon, you know, it's Mark Spector Moon Knight, and then there was the resurrection, and we can't ignore the Houston run and this and this. All that happened to this guy, but now he's sort of like, and he's still dealing with it, like it's a day-by-day kind of thing but he is still a hero. And I really want to, I really, I have to spoil something because there was an issue recently that really sort of um, kind of sort of blew me away a little bit. And so massive spoilers for yourself, Mike. I'm happy to take it. Right. So issue 30 of the most recent Moon Knight run resulted in Moon Knight being killed. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and it was the the the, re, the stakes were that he's been resurrected before. He always comes back, you know, like Chucky says in in Bride. He's sort of like, you know, I always come back. But in this case, there was like, well, Ava, Konshu is now in prison. You know, he, the, the entity of Konshu is actually in prison in Wakanda, um, so can't help. And and there's another avatar of Konshu. So if you die, you die. Like there is no resurrection anymore. You don't need, you know, you don't need to be resurrected because there's these other, there's these factors. Um, oh, that's the point. We didn't take on the fact that he also beat the Avengers at one point, and and but yeah, that was sort of a, a Jason Aaron's um, Avengers run. That's a different thing. But basically, sort of, so he's dying, and so they, they've now got a new run of called uh, Avengers of the Moon Knight. Issue one was Mark's funeral, um, and he's got well, no, it's his shiva because he's obviously Jewish. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like the heroes that you know we said before, Cap, Iron Man, all those that were, had rejected him and stepped away and stuff, or you know been associated in secret, no, they couldn't be public. All turn up, and whilst the, the whilst in Shiva, you have to stay with the body for seven days, don't you? That sort of thing. So they're they're, they're, they're recognizing his Jewish heritage as well, which is great. Um. They all go out and do the work. They protect the neighborhood and they do that stuff for them. They're sort of representing the midnight mission. 
And then Ben Grimm turns up, who's obviously another recognised Jewish And he has superhero. quite a lot of connections with Moon Knight yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they've crossed paths and stuff in the past. Like, he turns back, he turns up and does everything. Like, he's like, you know, he's turned up with food. He's, like, telling them what they've got to do um, for the Shiva. And, you know, he says, well, there's no body, but, like, we have to do, you know, we want to do this for to respect him in his in his sort of, you know, his religion, his traditions. And it was just, and again, Jen McKay just does it so well. But to me, it, sort of, it was that flag of going, like, not just it's like a meta point for me. It's like Moon Knight has been handled well and poorly over times. But this is a hero that I've followed and has gone through some crazy times and some wonderfully sort of like nutty things that I've really enjoyed. But again, like I can literally look back as we've just done and go, this is someone's life. It feels like it there's an, there's almost like a because it's not thousands, as you say, sort of comics. It feels like someone's gone through some shit. And this feels like paying that off by going like he died and these guys do respect him and he's earned that respect back. And that redemption that he was seeking during that tr- the, you know, the resurrection trauma years where Cap and Iron Man were like, we, we don't want you on our side. And actually you've got to run, you know, you need to go on the run and, you know, yeah, you can be on the Avengers, but the secret Avengers, like, cause we know you're nuts and you know, all this other stuff. Like, all that is gone. Like people can publicly support him now. Like he had the redemption that he was seeking, and it's 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 so wonderfully well done. Um, and yeah, I just think you know that's the point with Moon Knight. I think the Moon Knight character has been through a lot. As so, you know, Mark, Jake, and they're all back. So like you know, Mark and Jake and 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 um, Stephen are there, um, and he's dealing with that, and he still talks to them. And it's just. Um, I don't know. It just it feels like you know that it feels like a life lived, and whatever happens next, you know, Jed McKay's sort of said he hasn't finished. He's got a wider story to tell. It's going to sort of carry on. I'm excited for it. I'm loving it, and um, but doing the book as well just maybe sort of reevaluate and rethink how this character. Like, there's always Batman comparisons. You know, they sort mm-hmm. of say, "Oh, he's Marvel's Batman." Uh, he's not. Batman's. No. Batman's can confirm so, as someone who come in. Yeah. You, you read yeah. literally read literally the eighties run, the Houston run, um, the Lemire run, and the Ellis run. And if yeah. you read those, and then you still think he's Batman, then you I, I don't know what to tell you because they clearly define you for every comparison to Batman. Because I wrote down a couple, I was like, well, there's a little one I could see, but for every one little comparison, you've got five reasons why it's completely different. Yeah, well, to me, one of the biggest things is you know the the running joke of Batman is that he's so super serious and so super prepared and he's never, he's, you know, even I think Grant Morrison joked at one point that his superpower is his trauma. Mm-hmm. And he's never going to deal with it. Then. Like, he has to be that way. He has to be, you know, all those things, all those people he's lost. Like the biggest difference to me is like, yeah, Batman is Batman. Right. And he's ridiculously sort of super intelligent and all that other stuff that he does. But like the thing with Moon Knight is like he's just a broken guy, <laughs> you know. Not to say that DID is a, is a you know is a core is a symptom of that, but like even if he didn't have DID, he'd still have the trauma. He'd still be a broken guy that has spent a life looking, or at least a second half of his life looking to rectify it and do some good, and often doing some worse things. And like making, in the yeah. Houston run is literally him going too far of trying hmm. to be a superhero and literally going insane by it. And then it's it's the pendulum swinging of his own, not only sanity, but being 
okay with himself, like trying to find himself. And I think in a lot of these things, like Spider-Man, it's, I think one, one of the links that you said earlier, uh, one of the reasons that's so interesting about Moon Knight is he feels like a real person because he's not this, he's not Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wolverine. He's not someone that everyone and their mums and their nans have actually heard mm. of. He He's not in... 1,000 plus issues of just one run that he's been in for nearly 100 years. He's in only, I think if you count up all the issues, including the Mark Spector one, probably 200, I, I'd get, loosely, 200 About that, about 200. And so you yeah, think, yeah. Oh, some, yeah. and you think like, that. I know it's a weird thing, but in the canon of Star Wars comics, it's only been around for 10 years, Darth Vader has been in yeah. <laughs> a, at least 150, though I've got his own name in it. Mm. And I'm thinking... And obviously, okay, Vader's one of the biggest villains of all time. But you just think, oh, there's so many of these characters where when I read... Well, some of my favourite stories of Star Wars, I'm comparing because obviously Star Wars comics I read a lot of. My favourite ones, apart from the couple... There's the Vader ones we tackled on Desert Island Disc, uh, comics a while ago. Apart from occasional real big hitters, my favourite Star Wars comic stories are about random characters. My favourite yeah. Star Wars stuff is Rebels, because you don't have Luke Skywalker who you know is going to live. Mm. There's dramatic tension. There's weight. Moon Knight can and has died in issues. And although it's unlikely he's going to stay dead forever, because it's comics, there is actual weight. You feel like Frenchie or Marlene could be, not maybe in the 80s run, but at point maybe, but they could die. Yeah. And you're thinking that would have weight, because... If someone close enough to Spider-Man, a lot of Wolverine or anything like that, if any major member of those ensembles die, it has such a big ripple effect on every other aspect of the Marvel comic universe that you could almost not do it now. Because if you kill this person, you have to have a, it basically a giant event. Any time a major off. character dies, yeah. it has to be Civil War, it has to be Absolute Carnage, it has to, you know, there has to be a big crossover event that at least five of the main titles mm. are all intertwined <laughs> with. But Moon Knight doesn't operate like that. He's got a few bits and pieces with Avengers and any Cap and Tony Stark showing up and things. But because he's his own individual, and because it's up and down and stuff, people have a lot more freedom to do with it. And ironically enough, the way his character is defined is almost the same way that the character in-universe is defined, mm. which is unpredictable. You, it's got some really good. It's also got some quite bad. You don't know where it's going, but at its core, it's a great story. It's a yeah. great character. And at the core of what Mark Spector is actually trying to do since that night in Sudan, or the Egyptian border, since that night, he's just been trying to redeem himself from the mercenary and then consequently redeem himself from some of the things he did while trying to redeem himself. Mm. And that's his whole thing. And it's just a really interesting metaphor. And because of your essay book and because of, you know, me, obviously I spoke to you prior on this and then the Disney Plus show and then delving deep into some of the heavy hitters of the Moon Knight um, chronology, it's it's... I re I love it. Like I really am so bought in with Moon Knight. I was looking trying mm. to get some Moon Knight t-shirts, but there's like oh, none of them are that actually that good. <laughs> there's not there's really like one. Um, yeah. But I'm like, there's so many I could think of that'd be so cool. But I really love Moon Knight as a character. I've really become invested, and I'm not just saying this. The the 2022 run, I'm I'm really going to delve into. I want to finish the 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 Houston run first, mm. um, just so I've got that full story, and then I'm going to delve into the 2022 run because I'm really interested by that. But your essay book, and I know we we've, we've delved super deep into Moon Knight for like two and a half hours, yeah. so couldn't talk about all the essays as much as uh, we potentially wanted to but every person who wrote one of those essays i liked all of the essays i think they're all fantastic i think your introduction is great i kept referring to it in my notes because that nice little table you've got which shows um the runs and things and each individual involved really gave me another perspective on moon knight and me reading these these comics and pushing myself to do it because of this essay 
I genuinely, I'm, I'm, I had so much fun with it and I think I've learned quite a lot and I mm. feel like with so many other big characters in comics, you don't get that. No. Um, so I, I did want to thank you for writing that, but before we go, because I know it is very late, I want just the final sort of question then I'll ask, then we can wrap up, mm. is with what do you want from the future of Moon Knight and as a parallel, what do you want from the future of Moon Knight in comics? Because obviously at the moment, he's died and he will probably come back but who knows um eventually probably will but also with disney plus and the series we didn't really talk about that much but we both yeah. enjoyed it i, I mm, it. loved it loved it and like i think season two has been confirmed now i believe they've confirmed that there's they're starting to film it and stuff so i'm interested to see where that goes but on screen and in comics what do you want from moonlight going forward if anything and then we'll wrap up yeah with comics i think um, I don't know. I think the thing is, because it's been such a roller coaster, and I think in the last, at least for the last decade, I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with all of it, and I adore a good part of it. So I'm kind at the moment, like you know, I'm really enjoying what Jed McKay is doing, and the artist whose name escapes me at the moment, but his art is phenomenal as well. So they're acting as a partnership in the coloring, and again, it's all it's such a good run. But I'm kind of like, I'm just enjoying the ride. Like, take me on this ride. What do I want? I don't know. Like, yeah, you can't have, there's always, all superheroes are always going to be in their second act. Like, there's never going to settle down. Like, there'll always be something new. There'll probably be a new phase. Like, you know, this might be the end of this phase and he's going to go off and do something else. I don't know. I'm just open to it. I think that's the way I've always been. It's like, let's see what happens. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. On screen, um, I mean, I love the, the interpretation of Moon Knight they had. It's very different. Yeah, the superpowers are there, which is fine. And but Oscar that's my only critique are, is yeah. that that I was like, I like it all, but this, from reading the comics, the subtleties I don't like as much. But I do love Conchu and the antagonistic kind of, yeah, especially at the end where he's like, "I'll get Layla," and Mark's like, "Okay, I, I have to basically do what you want because here's the whole classic of Mark doing the right thing in the wrong way." Yeah, um, F. Maria Abram's voice of Conchu is fantastic. But you know, the one thing I, I loved about that show more so than the you know seeing Moon Knight do his stuff and seeing Mister Knight and all that other stuff was great. But the moment when you realise why he ends up becoming Stephen, oh, it's the that, confrontation of his mum's funeral. Almost cried when I was rewatching it like the other week. I was like, I've, I'd completely forgotten. Any yeah, any oh. there was that that is the moment in this when I was like, you get this. They get Moon Knight. They get Mark. This is the thing. The trauma. And the the, the 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 unwillingness as a point to to confront it, and that's where Stephen comes from, and where we're going to find out where Jake comes from at the end. Like that's the rage. Like that's the rage of it all. And we haven't addressed that yet, so we will. Um, I I would like to see him come back. I want to see him cr- like cross paths with other heroes. Um, there's others on sort of you know um, Disney Plus Echo. I haven't seen the show yet, but I've heard it's quite good. Either. Um. Daredevil now coming back in would be kind of interesting. But if you're going to put it on the big screen um, at the moment, you know, they were sort of heading down that, that, you know, I don't know what's happening now because they were having all the whole deity thing. They had the Eternals, which is going to lead to the to the, the Ebon Blade and, and, you know, all that kind of shit. I don't know because if I'm honest, I, I feel a little bit like the MCU has gone off the rails. Like I haven't watched the Marvels yet. I have. I, I, have. You know, I thought it was fantastic. Um, to be honest, yeah, it's, it's on Disney Plus today, so I will catch yeah. it. I will definitely catch it. I just don't go to the cinema for things anymore. I just don't. Which is I, yeah. Um, so I will catch it, but yeah, I don't know. It, it feels a bit like I'd love to see him on the big screen, and I want to see him doing his thing. 
Um, and if anything, I'd kind of like to see him with against not against Thor, but like you know, as Guardian facing up and going, oh, there's the uh, Egyptian pantheon of gods as well. Like you know, that's something that's got to be addressed. Um, and so yeah, yeah, no, the, you know, if you were to, you've now had the Greek gods in in uh, love and thunder, which was dreadful, but yep, <laughs> um, and you've had, you know, you've had the, the the Norse gods as well. And now we know the Egyptian gods could. I kind of want that, like you know, like take it a bit more serious. That you know, not not Thor too serious, but like <laughs> um, bring in Thor, bring in Hercules, bring in Moon Knight, and have that sort of you know those kinds of things. I think be quite interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's other there's other opportunities, all kinds of things we could do. Mm, yeah, I, I agree, and I I, I loved the comic uh, i loved the uh the series i want i want a whole nother series of moon knight where he probably doesn't interact with anyone apart from maybe one mm. as a little thing and then i want this and unfortunately we're in the age where this never bloody happens anymore annoyingly um is i want him to show up without everyone knowing about it five fucking years beforehand yeah i want him to show up in a film that we wouldn't expect to see him in that's not deadpool 3 i think it could be all right but i think he'll go down the comedy route too much and i don't want him no. I've, I've, I've had his haste of comedy stuff in the some of the comics and i well, don't i i much prefer the, one of the go ahead sorry just i, I know he's, i agree i don't want him in the mood nights in the in the deadpool show but there's going to be a reference to him in the, there's already obviously so if you've seen the photos of the, the set photos of Deadpool three, I saw one of of uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Deadpool in the outfits, and I've not seen anything else. Right, okay. There's been other bits and pieces leaked, mostly that, right? But one of them in the background is the cookie. Uh, no, is the cupcake van from episode one of oh. Moon Knight, and it's just sort of it's sat there and it's at an angle and it's rubble, and you're like, oh, they're like, so there's going to be a joke about props from disney plus or some there's going to be a joke about that so i think there's going to be a reference it's going to be there as a reference but i don't think he's going to be in it mm. um but yeah we'll see i just think yeah I, i'd love this i want season two because you know the ending of season one is great you know it's jake has, has now been sort of like um released and is, is acting on conscious behalf so how does that sort of like you know reconcile? So yeah, that's, what's that's his, what I want. What's his suit going to look like? Is it going to look like the Black Spectre or something? Because they've each got their own suits. Well, I don't know. Uh, I think yeah, you've got the bone suit, or you've got um, yeah, it's got to be interesting. Yeah. He would have been better as Mister Knight, I think. You know, Stephen Stephen as Mister Knight was fine, but like Mister Knight is supposed to be the serious loner rather than the the silly one. But still. He's very my, awesome. He's my, there's my Funko Pop of. Nice. I've got a nice little, my only Moon Knight merch because it's impossible to get any. Yeah, um, it's very I, rare of it. I absolutely, I, I love the aesthetics of the Disney Plus show and I thought hmm. Mr. Knight visually was phenomenal. I was like, I love the look of him and I, lo- I love Stephen Grant unashamedly. I think yeah. although his character is very different in in what he owns and what he's, he has, at his core, he's basically just the best of what Mark Spector could be. Just mm. with a different, without loads of money behind him. So yeah, I, I love that. I really want good things for Moon Knight. I want his Disney Plus show to continue. I'd be happy with just only really seeing Moon Knight in the series, basically completely separate to a lot of the events, almost like the comic runs, but one mm. or two little connections. Like when the Avengers Kang stuff is all going on, I wouldn't mind him being in a scene or so and then kind of just either being like, I've got bigger things going on actually right now and yeah, that's got and issues like yeah. i've like there's like do you have any idea about the egyptian gods do you know how powerful they are like we're dealing with kang it's like 
that doesn't what do you, i need to go deal with this and then yeah. that's it and like then series three is like the big finale or something like i that's i want him to be acknowledged and a little cameo and or even if it's post credit sequence of like them going to find Moon Knight and he's just busy doing something, a little hints of him in the movie. But I don't want it to be like a team up. I don't want it to play a major role. I want mm. his because I love the series being its own thing. I loved Loki being its own thing. I the, the series I think that do their own things I think are working better for me. Um, I agree. Yeah, and so that's what I'd like. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, Scott. No, thank and you for talking. talking. Oh, I, we could have easily gone for another two hours, easy. Yeah. Um, but, Please tell us. Um, so the book itself, obviously, it's here, waxing and yeah, waning. Yeah, waxing and waning oh, from Sesquart. Tell us every all the plugs, all that stuff, what you're up to. The the floor is yours, good sir. And we'll okay, wrap it up. yeah. Well, the book is available uh, on all the Amazons um, and everything now. So it's available as uh, a physical paperback and an ebook. So you know you can get us both. Um, please go visit sequat.org but all the other books that they uh, have available obviously Judging Dread which is the first book we did which is also available on the Amazons just Google Scott Weatherly I'm there uh, but obviously yeah doing stories out of time and space uh, and 20th Century Geek podcasts um, we have a Patreon and uh, more than that Julian who I do 20, uh, podcasts uh, blah, blah, stories out of time and space with I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up we're actually getting a, pay, uh, a Kickstarter together for a, uh, an Akira Kurosawa retrospective that we've, we've been doing and we're editing at the moment uh, and we've got another book coming up we're doing essays on sci-fi films um, volume one which is going to be from the first two seasons of stories out of time and space uh, I've literally just been writing about Demolition Man and, and quite a mass and a bunch of others. So I'm really excited about that. And then, yeah, don't know, more stuff coming down the line, probably. Um, yeah. If I was to do another comic book, one of these, possibly Spawn, I think. Oh, that, I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't mind um, if it was either later in the year or this time next year. I wouldn't mind having a bit more, a bit of homework to do and like three or four kind of main key, I can get a couple months uh, to warning because I've, I know nothing about spawn. I had a, one of the spawn villain action figures. I Mm. played a spawn video game and I've caught some amount of the spawn movie and I've read (laughs) like four pages in my, Mm. in my memory loosely of a spawn comic. But aside from how he looks, I can identify him Mm. and that's almost all I could say. So I'd, I'd be happy to, to do a, a an abridged deep dive into sport. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, fun. I mean, I am. I have. I've got a bit of. It. I'm doing a deep. I'm doing a full run read wow. at the moment. So I, I had to write an essay for Tony. I did. I did a comparison of Spawn and classic, um, classical uh, hell based literature. So, um, mm. you know, Dante's Inferno and and some of those other things. So I've, I wrote that for him. Uh, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to carry on reading. So I'm up to like issue 150 at the moment. So amazing stuff yeah. and uh, hopefully I've, we've got plans well uh, in this year mm. to collaborate again uh, and i'm sure we will be on that train in the future but scott thank you so much for chatting with me for about moon Knight. thank you for really introducing me to moon Knight as a character and really getting me into the world i'm very excited to start the true midnight mission uh and yeah just just thank you for putting out the essay book is fantastic if anyone is a fan of moon Knight, I really recommend it um i recommend obviously reading some moon Knight before you do that but it's a yeah. really really <laughs> great companion i think if you do what i did and read those kind of main runs i'll list in the description as well um and that scott's mentioned and then give this because it's got some really interesting perspectives that will make you want to reread the runs again mm. and get all kinds of stuff brilliant brilliant stuff and obviously all the people in it have written essays are fantastic including friend of the show tony farina so thanks again so thank much you. Scott, and thank you to everyone for listening and we'll speak to you very soon 
And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friend, make sure you check out Scott's other podcasts, The 20th Century Geek, as well as Stories Out of Time and Space. Make sure you check out the Moon Knight essay book, because it's really, really cool, as well as lots of other stuff that Scott has been up to, including his other appearances on Genuine Chit Chat, or even times where I've been on The 20th Century Geek, including the Batman retrospective, the Desert Island Comics Star Wars edition, and the upcoming June episode. But what have we got coming up? Well, next week I think I'll be releasing my Clone Wars Conversations, which should have been out in February, but because it's been Comics in Motion 1000, I delayed it ever so slightly. So that will be Season 2, Part 1 of the Clone Wars, the first 11 episodes of Season 2. That is myself, Math, and Dave talking about it. We had a great time there. And then Part 2 will be out in a few weeks after that, because we're due to be recording that very soon. But Comics in Motion 1000. So if you've paid attention to my Star Wars Comics in Canon podcast, or many of the collaborations that I've done on the feed of Comics in Motion, then you'll know about how... How long it's been going it's six years old and on the day of the six year anniversary we released the thousandth episode special that's what i hosted and basically asked listeners submitted questions to chris dave tony and max all of us have been with comics and motion from early on chris and dave obviously started the podcast so we talk about that if you've never listened to comics and motion or anything like that it's a perfect introductory episode it kind of introduces the new era and it also serves as a celebration for everything that's come up to this point so i'll put a link in the description for that as well but it was absolutely great fun and the video version of that is found on Genuine Chit Chat's YouTube channel, so go check that out as well. It was a really, really great conversation, and please share it with your friends and tell everyone about it, because it's a, it's just a really, really great podcast and a great family to be a part of. There's some other stuff coming up. I've done a couple of guest spots, so I guess it's on the VHS Strikes Back, but I'll give you more information on that when that actually releases. Obviously, I mentioned I'm on the 20th Century Geek. There's a couple of Spider-Dan podcasts that are coming up. There's going to be a Back to the Filmography podcast coming up in the few months' time as well, so lots of collaborations with some amazing creators as well. I'm also planning to have Chris on the podcast to talk about Las Vegas and things, which is going to be really, really cool, considering in August this year, myself and Megan are getting married then. And it's just going to be lots more conversations with some more familiar people. But I've got a few special guests that are coming up, people who haven't been on the podcast before, so I'm very, very excited to have them on too. Now, if you want to support the show, follow me on, on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, X, Facebook, and Threads. Also, it's on TikTok where I post the occasional thing as well. You can share the show with your friends. You can leave reviews on all the various places. You can leave ratings on Spotify, reviews on Audible, Apple Podcasts, all that great stuff. And it really, really helps the show out. So please do that if you could. In addition, you can support the show financially by going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat. And for as little as £1 a month, you get immediate access to over 200 episodes of Afterthoughts. That's where either I do a few Styles Legends book reviews, but primarily myself and Megan release an episode every week about mainly movie reviews or TV show reviews. But we also review some other stuff as well, including live performances we've seen. We go on road trips and holidays and things and talk about those as well. And we've got some cool stuff coming up in the future as well. So if you want to support the show and also get bonus content and get early access to stuff, please consider going to patreon.com com slash genuine chits chat but that's going to be enough from me my friends thank you so much for tuning in as always i'll talk to you next week likely with clone wars conversations season two part one and there's loads more cool stuff to come but thank you for supporting as always share with all your friends and i'll talk to you next week you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton